Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Journey to Developer podcast. Today, we have a special guest, Karan Nicole. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. It's an honor to have you on here. And I will say Karan was like one of my like real estate girl crushes, not to sound like, you know, funny, but Karan, like she was one of the first people I saw on social media about four years ago or maybe three years ago um, in the development space doing great things. Literally all of your before and after photos that you used to post online were great. And I really admired the work that you did. So it was a no-brainer to ask you to come on the podcast and, and encourage us ladies that's in this space. And also, we know that you're doing the masterclasses coming up. So we're going to talk all about that today. And just again, welcome. So you're out of the Philadelphia area. Correct. Yep. And you are a general contractor and as well as an investor and interior designer. So that's amazing. Kudos Thank to you. you. Thank you. Kudos to you. But I love your story and I got to know you a little bit better earlier today. And you mentioned that you're just leaving corporate America. And I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. That's incredible that you, yeah. first of all, your resume looks amazing. You're just leaving corporate America. So how were you able to juggle working a nine to five, I'm assuming? I'm, I'm assuming you're a mom, right? I am a mom of two. Oh, wow. A mom of two, and you're a beast when it comes to real estate design. How are you able to manage that? Yeah, well, awesome. To start, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here with you guys today. Um, and to jump straight into your question, it is just, it's not easy. It's never easy. However, you know, in the training process, you realize that you do not leave your corporate position because that's your first business partner in terms of revenue until you are secure, right? Because sometimes the W-2 employment can make you more financeable. Um, it could literally just allow your financial cushion to stay in place. So there's a lot to consider prior to, you know, retiring from corporate America. And it took me about three years of working full-time and then also developing real estate and I'm doing the design firm as well. That was more so two full-time jobs for me. I literally would work from nine to five and then six to 11, Monday through Friday. And then I would get a Saturday and Sunday for 12 hours each day. So um, it was really important to me to build the businesses up to a certain point. Uh, once I got all three businesses up to six-figure revenue, that's when I knew um, it was definitely worth me putting full-time effort into it. Um, and it just, it was a very good, you know, departure. Everything was amazing. Um, just parties and it was fun. And it, it allowed, I leveraged the W-2 income for what I needed. I bought up a couple things. Um, obviously I got a, uh, not obviously, I'm sorry. I got a FHA loan that was a lot easier to do while you have the W-2 employment, I did get a line of credit. Like I set myself up. I was planning this thing for years. So that's super important to anybody that's considering resigning from a full-time position. Be, be sure that everything that you do is super strategic um, and that you can run some plays even prior to you leaving so that you can you know, maximize those things. Um, and I think your question was, how difficult was it to work the nine to five, the full-time job, as well as the design firm and the investment projects? 
And it was not easy. Like if anyone tells you that running those businesses while still holding a full-time job, while still being a mother of two boys is easy, they're not, you know, telling the truth. But when you really want something, it just seems like you build up the momentum, right? So when I initially worked my nine to five, by 5.30, I was ready to crash. Like I'm thinking I'm exhausted. I need to go home. I need to have dinner and I'm done for the day. But when you realize that at five o'clock you hit another reset button and you understand all of the work that's involved to um, earn your 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 freedom, right? Because that's a part of it. Like I am so grateful that I built it, this thing up to the point where I could resign. And that was a luxury for me, being able to afford to buy my time back to actually do things that I enjoy doing. So that was my motivation. And um, it helped me sustain energy wise throughout that whole process. And I love that you brought that that up because I remember I used to be, well, for those who don't know, I think y'all know now, I was in real estate as a real estate paralegal. And during my transition from corporate as a real estate paralegal to an investor, like, and I had a two-year-old at the time, right? Nice. Yeah. <laughs> it was nice, but it was hectic. But what kept me fueled and focused was like, I need my freedom. I, I dreaded going to sit behind a, you know, a desk or a computer all day. Yeah. Someone else, 10 times the amount that I was making, right? Of course. Um, and by any means necessary, I was on my lunch breaks going, showing, I was wholesaling at the time. So I was wholesaling houses on my lunch break. I didn't care. I just knew I needed to get out of there. So I would wake up, you know, before my daughter would get up at five in the morning, just energized. Like I didn't need an alarm clock. I just loved it so much. I knew it was going to be uh, my gateway to freedom and I was on it. Yeah. So, so I understand uh, definitely what you mean. Meant it probably was hard, but you didn't even notice because you wanted something so bad, so you were focused. So absolutely. Awesome. So you did have a boutique. You were a business owner. You were a boss before getting into the real estate space, and you did have an MBA. So that's all incredible. And yeah. I, I do feel like everybody, if you didn't go to a university to get get an MBA, when you definitely get into the real estate space, especially now, everything is more digital. You will learn. <laughs> you will earn your MBA the hard way, right? Yeah. Um, but just knowing how to um, communicate and how business businesses operate and how to sit at a boardroom table is so important in this space. Um, I learned the hard way that real estate wasn't just about money. It was more political than anything. So I just thank God I did have some legal experience and I did know how to understand contracts. But, um, and this is probably a question I didn't know I was going to ask. How did your MBA help you? And your entrepreneurship, uh, sure. being a, a store owner and also now being a, um investment firm. Yeah. So grad school helped me in a lot of ways. The reason that I went that route, I was I didn't know if I was going to go to law school or if I was going to go to grad school and get an MBA. I chose the MBA because business development is a huge passion of mine. Even in the corporate space, I was director of business development, right? So um, having the boutique on South Street, that was all about just being a businesswoman. Starting into real estate was, again, a, a move as a businesswoman. It was, we're at a certain level financially. I'm a six-figure earner. Where do I park my revenue in a, an environment where it can continue to grow versus me just being a consumer? So it just made sense for me to get into the real estate industry 
um, investment wise. Once I got in, then I realized that in my you know part time life, my hobby is just this whole style um fashion that's always like obviously with the boutique there was a lot of style and fashion you know folded in and that's kind of like what I enjoy doing what I would the one thing that I would do for free um that whole thing so um getting into business it was investment first that happened before anything I became an investor and then through my projects I found an avenue to explore my creativity and I'm like wow I'm set you know I'm super excited so it all started back from the MBA which is developing business being able to interpret finance um and having those skill sets to to close deals sales was obviously a big deal in my world um in my corporate life managing multiple accounts and all that fun stuff so I applied a lot of my education as well as my experience and then what I enjoy doing and and found my niche in the real estate world. So the uh, the MBA is super helpful. I would never regret it. Obviously, I'm in a ton of student loan debt, just like everyone else. But um, it gave me those solid business development fundamentals that I needed to apply to every industry. And then I happened to fall into, you know, a, a fun design um, background now. So that's incredible. Yes, student loan. We can talk about that. Another another whole another podcast to speak on that. Yeah, I didn't reach my goal of getting it paid off yet, but it's almost God willing, it's gonna be he's gonna pay it off. Nice. <laughs> Either him or Joe Biden gonna get rid of it, right? So we we I don't know. <laughs> Joe, oh, story. Say to Joe Byron. <laughs> Cancel yeah. the stupid all that. Yeah. That's all I know. Mm. Anyway. So I, I do realize too that you you were on a reality show. I never saw it. I was actually trying to find episodes of it. I can't find it. But would you ever do, because I think yourself is better than, and I told you this earlier, yourself is better than HGTV. Would you consider, if opportunity came, would you do another reality show? So or what, was reality, what, what reality show are you referring to? I thought, well, I thought it was for the, for the love of style and real, love and real, was it? I don't know. So, for the love of stylers and real estate is my platform. And oh. what happened, what happened <laughs> was, no, those were the production moments because I'm going to explain to you what happened. What happened oh, was, um, obviously, when I first started, I was like, oh, my God, who's this new hot chick just breaking into the industry, making these killer projects, going way above the comps. Like, you know, pushing past the comps was like an obsession of mine. I was determined that I would never sell a property any lower than $30,000 above the comps. It was just like right. one of the things that I enjoy doing. Like I want to go thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 above the comps. I know my colleagues will appreciate it, et cetera, et cetera. So HGTV got wind of that. They were, you know, I was making a mark and they reached out to me and said, hey, I'm going to do a show on you, blah, blah, blah. I went through the whole process. Okay. Um, the process took, was two years. And throughout the process, they flew in a camera crew down here in Philly, which I, got, I just want to stop and say, if you ever feel like you're in a city that HGTV or any of these major networks won't acknowledge that you're wrong, because if you're worth it and if they see value, any of these networks for any role, they will make a way to, you know, build a space for you. So they flew in from L.A., which at one point in my mind, I'm thinking I needed to live in L.A. and do development in L.A. to be noticed or to be on their radar. But thank yeah. God for social media. Um, they saw my value. And again, the crew came in and we shot the pilot. Now, um, that's what you saw. You probably saw some buzz because for me, it was 
whether this show was picked up or not, I'm going to put out what I'm going, the process I'm going through right now because it's a part of my life. And I'm not, you know, opposed to telling people, hey, it didn't work out. So here we are. Hey, like it's in God's hands because um, the network decided after seeing a full episode of it's um, for the love of style and real estate that it didn't have enough meat on the bones to be an actual TV show. So they basically sent me and the producer back to say, come back up with something else. So we're in the process of that. So we're not, it's not to say that it won't happen at some point. I just feel like I'm going to get as much work done as possible. I'm going to produce as many quality projects as possible. I'm going to continue to do my thing and I'm diligent with them on a regular basis. We have calls, we have strategy meetings, et cetera, et cetera. If and when it's supposed to happen, it will. If not, then I'm going to make my mark in other ways. So. There was never a reality show. There may be. I mean, let's pray and hope, but yeah, no, not at all. Yeah. yeah, so I didn't really know the background, so thanks for explaining it to us. And then, you know, when I saw it, I'm like, when I Googled it, I was like, okay, well, let me look up this show. But either way, when that show does come, because it is going to come, whether it's not Thank from that company or not, confident. you deserve to be on TV, okay? <sighs> Thank you. Great, great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think, you know, I just feel like culturally, you know, us African-American women in this space, we are very talented. We are very qualified. And I do think we deserve the right to be amongst those that are, you know, obtaining the notoriety and obtaining the platform. Because once you make it to HGTV, there's not a lot of money involved with what you would be paid to do the show. And it's very labor intensive. So it's a huge sacrifice. You just, because I won't be able to manage as many projects as I am now if I'm doing 16 hours a day, five days a week of shooting. It's a very, very labor intensive um, position to hold. But it opens you up for endorsements. It opens up um, just like I always, my main why for even agreeing to the show was I need women that look like me to understand that between education and work ethic, that's enough to get you where you need to go in life. And that's just another level for me to have more exposure, to have more influence and to run that traffic back to, you know, we can do this, you know, we have what it takes. We can be just as successful. We don't have to do the, you know, the the stuff that you see on social media to get ahead. We can actually just, you know, put the work in and it will work out for you. So I want to be an example of that um as you can see like if you follow me I'm sure you I mean this as what you've seen you know I'm all about putting the work in not cutting any corners um releasing quality projects only and you know just pretty much being relentless through obstacles having that mental fortitude to bounce back so it's really been ch- tough for us as black women you know we lack the support we lack the resources we lack the exposure so my whole thing is it's never just about me. In fact, it's a pay cut for me to be on the show, but it does give me a larger platform where I can then invest in women that look and operate the same way I do from um, solid principles, right? You're good people. You're going to do the right thing and you're going to put the work in. So those are people that I would like to attract and to edify. Awesome. And, and that's the main reason why I even created a journey to develop her brand. Not only does it enhance me, right, in different ways, but it, it's all about um, community. And I feel like as Black women, we don't really have 
a community. We don't have, um, when it comes to in the real estate development space or even in the construction yeah. space, you know, it's a very male dominated business as a whole. And we are the pillars of our communities. We are the backbone of our communities, especially when it comes to just the urban community sector as a whole. So why not be a part of the revitalization of our community, right? I mean, I grew up in Brooklyn, the old Brooklyn. <laughs> I grew up in Newark, and now Newark is becoming Brooklyn, right? Um, yeah. In Philly, you know all about that. I mean, I remember when houses in Philly was going for $2,000 about yeah. 2017 when I was out there. Fair. Like, I wish, I, I'm so jealous of my son just because he got put in front of so much information at a young age. Whereas if I had someone guiding me, I probably would have owned a boatload of properties just knowing, like, if someone would have said to me, literally, buy stuff now. They're not making any more of it, you know, in terms of land. So those are solid investments. You can never go wrong. All I'm thinking of is the liability, the taxes, the upkeep, mm -hmm. and not the actual equity. I know um, a friend of mine, he was in jail for like 15, 20 years. He owned a house before he went. He came out. He, he sold a $10,000 house for $750,000. I mean, he gutted it out and put elevators and everything else in it. But, wow. you know, just the level of how long he held it, and the value of it now, had had we known that, we would totally be millionaires. I think, you know, yeah. it is strategic how some of that information is kept from us. Yeah, it so, is. I mean, thank God. I feel like we're in the information phase right now where you can't just go on YouTube and find out certain things. Um, you can't go to Instagram and learn. I mean, people are doing full webinars. We didn't really have that. I mean, I know when you were coming up, you didn't have that. But up to like five years ago, we just started getting more information. I mean, I literally learned investing and wholesaling from the internet. <laughs> but then I had to have the right mindset too. Like my mindset had been sure. first before anything. I knew I had, I had to know my why also um, to go from wholesaler to developer in a small amount of time. And I had to learn leveraging and stuff like that. So, I mean, if we can all come together, get, I mean, we can't beat people in the head into why they need to do it. But if they genuinely want a better life, they, they're aiming to get freedom in their life in whatever capacity. I feel like women like you and I and the others out there, there's a lot of females in Philly actually doing great things. Um, so shout out to them. But we need to come together. Like I, I, when I Google women in real estate development, I don't see any black faces. Yep. But they're buying up everything in our communities. Yeah. So everybody's pretty much benefiting from our communities um, for the most part, but we're not, especially not the women. The places that we're protecting with our blood, sweat, and tears, right? Um, they're monetizing it and we're not. Yeah. So it's important for women, specifically Black women in the urban areas, that they get in on the action. They literally rebuild their communities. They literally know that there's resources out there that they can tap into. Um, to help them build their communities back. So that was my goal going into it. And I need, I need a team. I need an army. So Absolutely. It's such a big deal. I feel like when you realize things within yourself, you give women permission to make moves that they never thought was possible. So when you get the ability to really go far, now you're talking about, okay, we have we've built these six-figure businesses. You can make $100,000. That's the title of my ebook, One Flip Away from Six Figures. And it, it, you would never know 
if you're starting out, I didn't know that when I first started out, like my first flip, I didn't profit six figures. I made like 55,000, which is still a lot more than the average person on their very first project. However, I do want to have, you know, women understand or anyone in general, it takes the same amount of effort to profit 30 grand as it does to profit $100,000 off of a flip process project as long as you buy at the right price, you know? You make your money when you buy, not when you sell. That's like a really big deal in the world and in the space. And it's like, you know, a lot of times people say that you make your money when you buy, not when you sell, but they don't break it down. So no one has any idea of what you're talking about, you know? So I'm a living example. I wrote the book, you know, I lived it, the lifestyle every single day, totally boots on the ground managing the transaction from, you know, the title company, the purchase, the construction, renovation, the resale, you know, all of those things. Identifying when you buy a property, is it going to be a flip? Is it going to be a, a buy and hold? Because I recently started doing holds in Airbnbs just because, you know, obviously that's the long-term effect. I started with nothing. So while people are judging us, like, why are you flipping? You know, real generational wealth comes from holds. If you start from nothing, I suggest flip the first three. Flip the first three, you know, work on your liquidity, have more buying power when you're at the table, when you're, you know, buying, because good deals are being blasted to everyone. I analyze deals every single day. They're not going to just me as an investor. They're going to 30 other investors. And it's all about whoever pulls the trigger first. So the more knowledgeable you are on the process, the better you are to be able to make a decision in quickly. And the more liquid you are from starting with flips or maybe having personal money, having access to personal lenders or However, you acquire your revenues, which for me was strictly, I only have the money that I've earned. Like, I don't have anyone helping. I don't have anyone supplementing. I mean, that's still the case till today. So in order for me to be able to start in the industry, I needed a solid set of revenue right. to get started with. And Flips were my first business partner. You know, I was able to acquire, you know, almost $200,000 with the first three Flips and then went from there. So... It worked out with me in that way. Yeah, and that's awesome, actually. Um, and yeah, many can't say that they need that much on their first couple. That's because of the design, right? So they yeah, and you're see exactly. Yeah, we were talking about don't skip the design. That is, I can honestly say that most of my success in real estate is attributed to the unique aesthetic, the design aesthetic, the start to finish, from the framing and all the way up till the final project and the finishes and the staging and everything included. It's a science. It's a right. strategy and it's all backed by data, you know, that's out there for all of us to, it's public information on what makes a buyer purchase. Right. And then you work backwards. You know what I mean? You realize what their what buyers are looking for and you work backwards and include those things into your renovations. And now you have something that's super desirable by, you know, the masses and then you can have the buyer frenzy and demand a larger ticket price or list price in our case. <laughs> I wish we kind of did it online. But um, you told us about your um, design class. Yeah. So I'm assuming you're going to be playing it back for at least a month. I'm going to try to get this out really quickly. Yeah. And benefit from going to your um, your classes. And then possibly working with you in the future. Yeah, and I'll I tell you a tiny bit more about it. So 
I spoke to you about it a little bit earlier. Um, obviously, being in this industry, we're very aware of what's going on. Um, and I've noticed that there is a major deficiency in the industry as it relates to real estate design. You have a lot of these amazing developers. They're all really good guys and girls or with guys and women that are making um, just amazing legacies for themselves and for their families. And I love the development that's happening. But what I did notice is that a lot of times these projects um, come out and the actual unique aesthetic has been overlooked. Whether you're duplicating things that you've seen that work before and everyone's slapping the same gray color paint on the walls and the same cabinetry, the shaker cabinetry, and these contractor-grade finishes, and they start to all look the same after a while. You know, they're skipping the staging and all kinds of stuff that science has proven are um, factors in the decision to purchase or not to purchase. So I just want to kind of train a community of aspiring designers to focus on the real estate design piece of the transaction and of the process as well as train existing investors to pay attention to certain things so that they can launch and release unique projects as well. So I really niche down in, in this, in this um, chapter of my life. Real estate is a big genre. I do have a book on real estate and how to profit six figures. It's on my website. All my resources are on coronacle.com. But this was important for me to do just because there was such a void in the marketplace. I agree. And again, ladies and gentlemen that's listening, she's probably the best out here, literally. Okay, I'm say that. You're the best. <laughs> and um, I don't take that lightly. No, seriously, you you are. Like I'm like, well, who's doing this work? Because it looks like it costs <laughs> like two hundred thousand dollars. But I'm a I'm I can only assume, and I'm sure um, as people get to know you and your trainings, and if they decide to work with you in the future, you'll break down, you know, probably how to keep a construction team on budget. Um, where to source the material that's cheap um, and affordable. We did a project in, um, oh, I got the town, but some town in New Jersey. I want to say Middles Middlesex County. And believe it or not, like some decent places to find really cheap material, but it looks really expensive, was Amazon.com. And I was just like, I didn't know. And so Amazon's I just the plug. I know. Amazon's just taking, <laughs> no, they're taking over the world. And it's almost like I tried to avoid them for the first time because here I am launching these luxury projects. Right. But the place that I'm like, I'm going to Crate and Barrel and I'm spending $900 on the chandelier when they had it for like $250. Yes. So they it's another thing. It's like, man, I don't even, I don't like saying it. Where'd you get that chandelier? Oh, from Amazon. Like, but it, it, they have figured, they, if everything in life, they have figured out how to get it to you faster for less. And, and finishing his own for these builds are no different. Yeah. So don't so, avoid Amazon. Yeah. The, we already gave them the sauce, like a little bit of the sauce. And yeah. I, that's, all, that's the only place I really know. And there's another company. But I'm sure. Wayfair. That's another one. Yeah, Wayfair. So I used to move a lot. <laughs> and I'm, I'm working on my dream home. But because I do move a lot, I do shop on Wayfair. Yeah. And um, I started helping an individual do Airbnb. So Wayfair is the plug too. And if you can get business credit, especially starting out with an Airbnb, you can get business credit from Wayfair and Amazon. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wayfair, I love a little gem. Yep. Some gems. So, listeners. Exactly. Um, and yeah, it's no excuse. And we're not going to, I'm not going to really drill you on Airbnb because I didn't really know you were doing it, but 
we know Philly has some changes to Airbnb. And outside of that, do you think Philly is, a, is still a good market to invest in? Because we talked about the inflation, or I started talking about how houses were $2,000 in Philly. Yeah. I don't even know what a shell is going for in Philly anymore. I stopped looking, to be honest with you. But the ninety, eighty thousand dollars. So Philly is still you still can you still can profit six figures. However, your negotiation strategies, there's still deals in Philly. Are they as, you know, um, you know, are you gonna come across those good deals as regularly as you ha- would have even as recent as three years ago, two, three years ago, when you started out the same properties like when I first started, I could have gotten for thirty thousand or now I'm going for sixty, seventy thousand. It's just what it is. Like the supply and demand, you know, the supply is decreasing. So the, the demand is increasing. And one of the things about Philadelphia is it had a ton of homes that were a hundred years plus old. You know, there was so many historical homes here and there were just like an influx of them. The city was a mess. I don't know if you, you were traveling here. Five I was out there in those streets. And there the block, sometimes it was a whole block, only two houses on the block. It's drugs and crime and trash. And it just, no one was dealing with that. You know, no one, they were just literally letting these houses fall apart. And then somewhere, somehow a light bulb went off and it was our time. You know, it was our time for lots of major developers. The big players were coming in from New York and some of them from like Dubai and just all overseas were coming in. And then, you know, us being here started watching like, what the heck? You know, so now you're, instead of paying 8,000 for a shell, you're paying 30,000. For shell and the value instead of being four or five hundred thousand might have only been two hundred thousand. So while the price to purchase may have increased, so has the value. So now if you spend eighty, ninety thousand on the shell, you may be able to turn it around to three hundred and ninety thousand dollars. So those are the deals that we want to focus on. Um right. making sure that the ARV is aligned with your renovation cost and the formulas that you use to be sure that prior to, you know, making the decision to to close on a house, that your numbers are solid and it will yield with contingencies built in right. your, you know, your number. Everybody, every investor has a number that they're looking to make. They won't touch a project if they're not, if they can't yield above 30,000 or 50,000. And my number happens to be 100,000. I don't touch any renovation projects if the numbers don't project a profit margin of over $100,000 with all contingencies included. So we, well, I don't know if everybody knew this. You are a licensed general contractor. So you do control, you have site control over the whole projects or do you outsource um, to another GC? How do you normally? Yeah, so it's the money stay budget. Yeah, that's two questions. Let me give one at a time. (laughs) The first question is I absolutely do outsource to other GCs. My projects right now have all have GCs. Um, I'm a GC for the first reason was to just own more of the decision-making on the projects to know what I was doing. It was a training process that I went through, which helped me understand contracting from a general standpoint, which I didn't need to be niche-specific for that. I wanted to be more general as the investor. And um, yeah, so becoming the general contractor just gave me more control over the project. That was the reason for doing that. I had more leverage. Um, but right now, running the investment firm and the design firm simultaneously, um, I have other things that are developing and it doesn't really allow for me to be on the job sites every day, all day. I'm still there very frequently, very, very frequently. 
but just not all day, every day, because I needed that person in between me and the trades to help the accountability piece and to actually get these projects to the finish line. So I am not the person that's running the job sites anymore. I am qualified to do so, but it just is in terms of time and my personal plan, um, I would like to be out designing properties for fellow investors versus running the GC title or role on my own. Right. And again, incredible. And key thing she said was she does go to the site often. Okay. Don't think you going get a home run and don't go to the job site. I learned the hard way. There was two questions. There was the one and then there was, a, what was the other one? Well, the other question was, how do you stay on budget? Because um, it looks like the detailing is so superior. Like it's really, really good. Um, how do you, do you stay on budget most of the time with your flips or? So 50% of the time I stay on budget, 50% of the time I don't. It's like a 50-50 type of thing. However, I know me going in. So I already know, like, you know, I'm going to want to put in expensive windows. When I first look at a property, like I can look at something that is totally falling apart and, and visualize like all these grand aesthetics in the, in the process. The first time I take a look at the property. So I already know I'm going to spend way more than the average investor on certain aesthetics. And that's already looked at up front and budgeted for and still considered when it comes to do I buy this house or not? Like when I buy it, because I am a designer, the before and afters are also my, my marketing that I use to attract clients for my design firm. So I need to have enough meat on the bones to be able to afford my expensive taste and finishes. Um, and still also have that profit margin, again, with contingencies built in. Um, and aside from that, I'm no different than anyone else. Things go wrong. Things come up. Uh, I know that at one point when we, you and I probably both started out, a contingency budget was, what, 10, 15 percent. Now, I don't suggest any investors go below 20 percent contingency budget. Um, so that's a pot of money that's set aside in case things go wrong. Um, and I'm usually using that <laughs> um, just to sure. kind of be honest. Uh, when I go over budget, I, I always know I'm back in my head. I got that 40 grand over there on the contingency money that I'm going to tap into. So that's kind of uh, what I do. And otherwise, you know, I make sure that it just you just overcompensate for um, those things at the very beginning. Yeah. And I'm glad you talked about that. Yeah, definitely. You might. And if you're a newer a person in the construction space, I would say even go up to 30%. Just think about it because I mean, sometimes any and all things can go wrong. It will go wrong, unfortunately. And yeah, exactly. I learned my life in a couple of times. Yeah, they but say they expect problems just to, you know, the bigger you grow in life, just expect better problems, you know, bigger yeah. problems. So, like you said, um, real estate is not easy. We're not going to sit here and say that, you know, renovating, developing, any of that is easy. It's very, very, very hard work. So, you know, it's a lot of stress involved. So things are going to go wrong. And a lot of stuff, you know, stems from the budget. You know, you have break-ins, you know, things that you absolutely have no control over. So you do want to make sure that your your contingency, contingencies are airtight. Yep. And let's talk about... A lot of people do think that they're going to, because they pay someone to coach them or they learn somewhere from a course, they think that they are going to come in and become a microwave millionaire or their first flip or whatever the case is just going to go so perfect because they pay someone to coach. What type of mindset do you think 
an in- individual should have coming into this business. And I don't know if we said something about it earlier, but realistically, what type of mindset? Do you yeah. Have? I know you talked about it in your strategy book as well. Yes. I'm so glad you mentioned that because the first 50% of my book, One Flip Away from Six Figures, is all about mindset. And if I had to answer this question uh, quickly, and I give one piece of advice regarding mindset, I would say, develop your mental fortitude. And your mental fortitude is the ability to have your whole world collapse one day and you go home and take a shower and get some rest and come back the next day revived, refreshed, and ready to solve the problems and get things done um, and not be bogged down by, by issues and, and obstacles because you have to learn to bounce back quickly. A lot of moving pieces. There's a lot of moving pieces. And if you don't have that mental fortitude where you are completely unstoppable, I stopped, I started like my brand, obviously a strategy. That's the name of my book. That's my merch. That's everything. Just because I feel like we need to move strategically and have lots of safeguards in place. But I, I juggle, I, I struggle between strategy and unstoppable. That being my, that word being my brand, because you really do need to be unstoppable. You need to be able to be knocked down and drug around and still show up the next day fresh and ready to go and ready to make things happen because 100% of the times that I showed up the next day with a fresh perspective, I had a better hold on, you know, the issues versus me just melting down. Um, and if you allow yourself to give in to some of these real estate obstacles, you'll never make it very far. So you have to grow that tough skin, develop that mental fortitude it takes to bounce back each day. No, that, I mean, that just, that also spoke to me. As you said, have we had this conversation last year? Like, <laughs> but no, that's a, that, you're a thousand percent true like first of all if you don't get your mindset together um and those obstacles come up you can get eaten alive okay we i mean i'm not gonna say it's a word that anybody can be emotional in this business so you literally have to pull your big pants up or whatever and keep it moving and like you said come into the project every day with a new perspective else you can quit there's been times where i'm like why am i doing this it's not supposed to be this complicated god like, or, you know, whoever I'm working with, it's not supposed to be this complicated, but sometimes it does get like that. Um, Absolutely. We've all so, been there as investors and I've seen people, and this is the most difficult position to be in. I've seen people destroy their budget halfway through the project and realize that they have to finish it knowing they're not going to make any money on the project. Yeah. Imagine the type of fortitude it takes to show up every single day, knowing you've done all this stuff for free. And you're not going to make any money off the deal because you've lost so much money on every phase of the deal. My book talks about that. You cannot afford to lose money on on any of the phases because if you lose money by overpaying, by being an overeager newbie, if you lose money on the, the construction because you didn't vet the right contractors, if you lose money on the resale because you're overpaying your agent or sits on the market for too long, that eats away. All of those, those categories will eat away at the end of the result. So one of the main things in my book, One Flip Away from Six Figures, is to teach people you cannot lose money on each phase and expect to hit your projected numbers at the end. Right. So that's important to know. And again, even if you burn out on your first project and realize that there is no profit for you, um, you still got to show up because your legacy is connected to finishing your your brand is connected to finishing you know you know your colleagues are counting on you you still can salvage before and after photos 
expertise. You can go to a hard money lender and say, look, I did this project. They don't you know, always need to know that you didn't make any money. So having that fortitude and seeing the big picture, even when you feel like your, your reward, your financial reward is being jeopardized. Yeah. I mean, this was great, Karan. It was such an honor to have you on here again. Um, hopefully we'll be able to connect soon. Um, I do want to put something together for women, uh, more, more of a hands-on thing with yeah. women. Um, let me know when you have a project that I can walk through and I'll take you for lunch or something. Even though you don't need me to take you to lunch, but I'll take you to lunch and, you know, we can um, hopefully work together in the future. But this was certainly great. Tell people where they can go. And I think you said it earlier, but let's just remind them where they yeah. can go to keep in contact with you and to also get your book and to also get your training that she'll be doing over the next month or so. Yeah, I was so excited to do this and I'm excited to continue to partner with things, um, other women that are go-getters. I, my absolute um, criteria for partnering is that I'm working with people who are actually good people, who are doing right by people and who are putting the work in. So as long as, you know, I have like seen a lot of what you're doing. I'm super impressed by everything. I love your podcast. I will be happy to join again if me be happy to speak. Um, as long as we're reaching our people in a very positive environment, I'm super excited to to join forces for for things in the future. Um, as far as contacting me or figuring out what I got going on, um, follow me on Instagram, C-A-R-O-N-N-I-K-O-L-E. I'm really open about what I do and how I do it. Um, it's no need for me to ever try to figure out content because my lifestyle is content. I can't even record it, this stuff enough. So I put everything out there. I let you know the struggles, the ups and the downs, the wins and the losses and keep it, you know, just super authentic for us in that space. Um, pick up a copy of my book, One Flip Away from Six Figures. There's a lot of strategies, solid strategies there that you can apply to any business in terms of mindset. In terms of being a self-starter, not having those people in your in your life to congratulate you and still being very motivated to win and to take your projects to the finish line. Um, those are some solid techniques that are taught in that book. And then my uh, my new favorite thing, the community of designers that I am starting to train. You know, I my eye is just what it is. And it's really difficult at times to train people to have your eye. But there are also design strategies, interior design strategies, real estate design strategies that I'm very happy to share. You know, I'm very happy to give design training to, you know, those that want to make their builds more impactful and those that want to get into the interior design world and, and start a work from home business um, just with very little money down. So. That's uh, those things, those ebooks and webinars and any type of playbacks for classes and design training are all going to be available on karanicole.com, which is C-A-R-O-N-N-I-K-O-L-E.com. So that's pretty much the best way for us to stay connected. Listen, so yeah, I better get left in with her. Okay. I think I'm going to sign up for the design class I told you <laughs> earlier. I love your energy. Absolutely. No, but no, I'm definitely going to be in there on Saturday. And if you have some type of coaching, I might just sign up for that. Don't, don't judge me. No, let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. I just think it's a lot of value. And now the way that we learn things are no longer in a traditional college setting. Now we're learning from people who are super successful, who have proven to you know, um, know what they're doing and make their mark. Obviously, we're showing receipts, we're showing before and afters, we're showing the day-to-day -day work. So I would love to have, you know, a bunch of eager go-getters working with me as well as working for themselves and learning some techniques that I've kind of acquired along the way. 
Absolutely. Well, this was great. Everyone, make sure you go get locked in with her ASAP, right? Make sure you go, if you haven't subscribed to, subscribe to the podcast, make sure you go do that. And we hopefully will do a live soon. I'm sure there's some questions I didn't ask that yeah. people want to know. And um, so you will probably see this beautiful young lady very soon again. So you all be blessed and peace. Thank you guys. Good luck with everything. <laughs>